Hello, knowledge seekers. In this episode of 20 Minute Books, we delve into The Consultant's Handbook, penned by Samir Parikh. This is a thorough guide to the wide ranging field of consultancy. Whether you're a seasoned consultant, an enthusiastic beginner, or simply an industry professional looking to learn a trick or two from the consultants, this book is an invaluable resource. It brims with expert tips, insightful examples, and practical advice that promises to enlighten your professional journey. The author, Samir Parikh, is a seasoned business consultant, a deft practice manager, and an accomplished CEO of a consultancy firm. With over 25 years of hands-on experience in the industry, he stands as a luminary in this field. Parikh's global consultancy firm, SP Consulting, has completed projects in over 50 countries, adding to his vast experience and noteworthy credentials. Our exploration into the consultant's handbook will be particularly beneficial for business graduates interested in consulting. Existing consultants aiming to elevate their careers and gather fresh insights are also bound to find this discussion fruitful. Furthermore, if your role involves substantial client and stakeholder interactions, this episode holds valuable lessons and ideas for you. So, join us as we dissect Samir Parikh's masterwork, The Consultant's Handbook, exclusively here on 20-Minute Books. The Consultant's Handbook, a practical guide to delivering high-value and differentiated services in a competitive marketplace. Introduction. Dive into the secrets behind thriving in the consultation business. So, you're wondering about consulting? It's a powerful service provided across a multitude of specialized fields, be it management consultants, software developers, or travel agents. Everyone thrives on utilizing their unique skills and expertise to generate optimum results for their clients. And this universal goal is what brings an array of professionals under the umbrella of consulting. Regardless of your speciality, there exist timeless principles that can catapult you to success. To cement your place in the competitive world, you need to please your clients, stand up for your ideas, appreciate and integrate others' expertise, and efficiently manage your interactions with clients. Samir Parikh, armed with over 25 years of experience in managing consultation projects worldwide, distills these cardinal principles in The Consultant's Handbook. His book brims with practical guidance, enriched with engrossing real-life anecdotes, forming a comprehensive guide for achieving high-performance results in a fiercely competitive market. In this summary, you'll discover how to craft a positive first impression and build credibility with your clients, the art of knowing when to be assertive and when to value your clients' expertise, the secret recipe for developing a persuasive project proposal. Part 1. Unlocking Client Potential. How consultants utilize their experience, knowledge, and networks. In an era where the term consultancy is bandied about with abandon, it's become challenging to pin down its precise meaning. So, let's try to demystify it. At its core, consultancy is about leveraging two key assets, your expertise and your experience, to aid your clients in achieving their objectives. 
these elements serve as sturdy pillars for any foundational consulting proposition. Consider an architect tasked with designing a house. To meet this objective, the architect utilizes his architectural knowledge, expertise, and his track record of crafting similar structures, experience. The balance between leaning on expertise or experience can fluctuate depending on the circumstances. A novice architect, fresh from academia, will naturally rely more on his theoretical knowledge gained during studies. In contrast, a seasoned veteran with two decades of work experience might depend on the rich reservoir of wisdom collected from previous projects. But there's another dimension to consultancy. It entails mobilizing the collective efforts of your entire organization to ensure your clients' needs are met. This idea holds especially true for larger consultancy firms. Their mission often involves utilizing their expansive networks and resources as efficiently as possible to tackle client needs. This is made possible by fostering a culture that promotes knowledge sharing. Tools such as databases and networking platforms facilitate pooling information from past cases, ensuring it's readily accessible to those who need it. However, aligning interests can be a delicate dance. While the consulting firm may be inclined to upsell additional services to the client, it may not necessarily be what the client requires. As a consultant, it's imperative always to act in your client's best interests. Prioritizing short-term gains can lead to disgruntled clients and erode their trust, a potential roadblock to future collaborations. Above all, championing your client's interests safeguards the credibility of your consultancy firm. While it may not offer the instant gratification of immediate profits, it's a crucial investment for your company's enduring success. Part 2. The Cornerstone of Consulting the power of comprehensive preparation. Imagine being a company manager tasked with selecting a consultancy firm. How would you react if the consultants appearing for an initial meeting seemed clueless about your company's basic particulars? Pretty disappointing, isn't it? That's precisely why every consulting assignment must kick off with meticulous preparation. Granted, sifting through the minutiae can be time-consuming, and the depth of your research depends on various factors, including time constraints and the nature of your first interaction. If you're pressed for time, aim for a basic level of preparation. This involves researching the client's company, understanding their key concerns, and formulating some potential solutions. Here's what you need to focus on, usually achievable within a couple of hours. Begin with understanding the company's locations, the market in which they operate, and their industry. Move on to basic financial data, including revenue and profits, business units, competitors, and their range of products. Wrap up by scouring relevant press releases and memorizing the names of key executives. Armed with this foundational knowledge, you'll be well-equipped to engage in meaningful dialogue during your initial meeting, understand your clients' needs, and, most importantly, leave a favorable impression. Walking into a meeting unprepared could raise doubts in your client's mind, definitely a situation you'd want to avoid. For more substantial projects, you would need to delve deeper, extending your basic preparation to incorporate elements like the company's strategy, goals, significant industry trends, the company's history, sales channels, advanced financial data, 
and customer feedback. Then there's the engagement specific preparation. This refers to preparing for a meeting centered around a specific topic. In some instances, your client might invite you to a meeting focusing on a single issue, such as team performance or a particular area's efficiency. In these cases, your preparation should stretch beyond gaining a general understanding of the company. You should also be ready to tackle the issue in question. But remember, preparation doesn't solely mean research. Another effective way to prepare is to ponder the pertinent questions you might need to ask and anticipate possible queries from your client. Strong preparation is the first stepping stone towards the critical factor we'll explore next. Building credibility. Part three, building trust. Consultants craft credibility through careful positioning. No matter your area of consultancy, there's a non-negotiable asset you must acquire, trust. It's critical to establish yourself as a credible and reliable source of expert advice right from the start. So how can you achieve this credibility? The first step is a well-constructed personal introduction. This doesn't imply bragging about your brilliance or the amazing talents of your team. It's about presenting an objective summary of your experiences and the unique value you can bring to the project. Here, it's key to make distinct assertions backed by evidence. Outline the number of projects you've worked on and your consulting career's duration. Presenting facts gives your introduction a sense of realism. You might even want to plan the exact wording of your introduction in advance to ensure you're well prepared. Keep your introduction pertinent and succinct and you'll hit the jackpot. Your client will appreciate your time efficiency and will quickly grasp how your experience and expertise align with their needs. But remember, you're not just introducing yourself, you're also representing your organization. You won't be single-handedly working on your client's project, so it's sensible to introduce your team and explain how its collective skills complement the project requirements. Where relevant, reference the qualified individuals who will be supporting the work behind the scenes. Alternatively, After summarizing, you might want to ask your client if they have any questions about your organization's credentials. Answering these queries effectively is a surefire way to bolster your credibility. Part 4. Mastering the Art of Meeting Efficiency, Balancing Structure and Agility Being a consultant inherently involves a lot of give and take. Resolving your client's needs and issues means substantial interaction primarily in the form of meetings. So, it's vital to maximize the value you extract from meetings. A well-defined structure is key to ensuring the important issues are tackled. Without a clear structure, meetings can easily devolve into endless, unfocused discussions, often overlooking crucial points. Don't depend on your clients to bring organization to the conversation. That responsibility rests with you. Boosting meeting efficiency starts with defining the objectives beforehand. What's the meeting's purpose and what do you hope to achieve? Reaching a consensus on these with your team before your client arrives can dramatically elevate the productivity of your session. This then segues to the topic of team coordination. You want to avert those uncomfortable moments when multiple people rush to respond to the client's query simultaneously. By assigning roles before the meeting, You can preempt possible communication mishaps. 
agree on the points you plan to accentuate, and any topics you'd rather steer clear of. Having someone document the meeting proceedings ensures everyone is synchronized once the meeting concludes. As for the meeting structure, begin with introductions, then move on to establishing the context. Next comes the main part, the section where you delve into issues and brainstorm solutions. Wrap up the meeting with a brief recap and a definitive list of subsequent actions. Despite these preparations, expect the unexpected. Your client might abruptly introduce a novel idea or question into the discussion. Addressing these sudden curveballs without losing your footing demands flexibility. Ultimately, your mission is to act in your client's best interests. To accomplish this, you need to understand exactly what your client wants. And remember, these desires can fluctuate. So be prepared to accommodate new issues into the agenda when a client brings them up. Suppose you're in a meeting, aligning on the context. You declare your intention to present possible solutions, but your client expresses a keen interest in product development. You should ensure you address this, even if it wasn't on your original agenda. Part 5. Framing an impactful proposal. Precision, structure and realism are key. Establishing yourself as a credible authority is the initial step to securing a consulting assignment. However, the written proposal you submit detailing your consulting services is equally crucial. So, what makes an effective proposal? Simplicity is paramount. Your proposal should clearly communicate to the client what you intend to do and how you plan to do it. Kick off with an executive summary, an abbreviated version of your proposal encapsulated in a few paragraphs. Take extra care with this section, as it's often the only part a client peruses. The introduction follows next. This presents an opportunity to define the proposal's overall structure. Then comes the core, the main body. Here, detail the issue at hand, your proposed approach, the project's timeline, costs, and the projected benefits for the client. Mention your relevant credentials and references here to fortify your proposal. While successful proposals come in various forms, they all share two traits. They're realistic and precise. This is because overly optimistic promises and vague terms can derail your project later, focusing on your client's specific needs rather than promising the moon will significantly reduce the risk of disappointment. Take a cue from a Dutch consulting firm that learned this lesson the hard way. A banking sector company commissioned them for a project estimated to require 20 consultants. But what did the consulting firm do? They assembled a grandiose proposal for a 60-person project. This didn't impress the client. They were seeking assistance with a particular task, not a complete overhaul of their operations. We asked for an apple, they complained. You gave us a pumpkin. Defining your terms with precision can prevent potential headaches down the line. For instance, suppose you've been hired to provide a risk management solution. Your interpretation of risk management may not align with your clients. If you fail to explicitly define what you mean by risk management, there's a high probability that your client may expect you to handle additional tasks due to their broader definition. Part 6. The dual dance of consulting, balancing assertiveness and flexibility. 
There's merit in standing firm when you're confident about your position, but as a consultant, discerning when to yield and acknowledge your client's superior insight is equally essential. Remember, your primary role as a consultant is to act in your client's best interest. Sometimes, that includes voicing your concerns if you perceive they're making a mistake. In such scenarios, it's crucial to both trust in your expertise and advocate your stance. Offering constructive criticism, grounded in logical reasoning, can be a potent tool. Essentially, there are two types of arguments you can construct, deductive or inductive. Deductive arguments hone in on a conclusion by methodically discarding other possibilities. Let's consider an example. Your client needs a car meeting three specific criteria. A deductive argument might work like this. Five available cars meet the first requirement. Three of those are within your budget, but only one can be delivered within the desired time frame. That's your car. The decision was derived analytically through a process of elimination. Inductive arguments, on the other hand, take a more persuasive approach, leading with the solution and then elucidating the supporting rationale. Both forms of argument can be effective, depending on the situation. At times, employing both types might be beneficial. For instance, you could use a deductive argument to illustrate why your solution perfectly addresses your client's needs, then use inductive arguments to bolster your case. However, be aware that there will be moments when it's essential to accept that your client might just be more knowledgeable on certain matters. Your client could have a valid reason to doubt your proposal. They are, after all, the experts on their business and company. They're best equipped to ascertain whether the proposed approach will gain traction within their organization. Therefore, it's wise to blend confidence with humility. If your client rejects a certain solution, step back and ponder why before proposing an alternative approach. Part seven, the golden rule of customer satisfaction, the 50-50 balancing act. In today's digital world, a client's satisfaction isn't merely crucial for your ongoing relationship, but also shapes how potential future clients perceive you. A quick internet search can easily turn up reviews of your service. So how should you best manage client satisfaction? Start implementing what's known as the 50-50 50 inches rule. Essentially, this requires you to equally divide your attention between achieving the desired results and enhancing your client's experience. Let's delve a little deeper, beginning with results. Your primary objective should be to apply your skills and expertise successfully to solve a problem. This involves creating a roadmap to guide you through the assignment and employing specific tools to deliver the desired result. This collective approach is your methodology. An effective methodology isn't a universal fix. It's about fine-tuning your approach to suit a unique issue. Over time, you'll amass experience and outfit your toolkit with increasingly precise tools to accomplish your objectives. To effectively tackle your client's problem, you'll need to agree on a budget and time frame and adhere to them. Your expertise and resource management skills play a pivotal role in achieving your goals but attaining results is only half the battle. Managing the client experience is equally significant. Imagine rating your last flight. Would you base your judgment solely on whether the flight arrived on schedule? Likely not. Aspects like in-flight service, food quality, comfort, 
and luggage handling efficiency are also important. The same principle applies to your consulting services. This is especially true in fiercely competitive industries where numerous companies can deliver similar results. Providing an enjoyable, comprehensive client experience sets you apart from the competition. Consider an example from Western Europe. A consulting firm was on track with its project, confident about hitting its targets. The client, however, wasn't as convinced. A concerned executive repeatedly called the firm, asking for updates despite being reassured that everything was progressing smoothly. Acknowledging her anxiety, the consulting firm decided to send her a daily status report. The client appreciated this gesture, and the frequent calls ceased. This illustrates the power of exceptional customer service. If you invest time in ensuring your client's happiness, they're likely to remain loyal to your firm. Part 8. Ahead of the resistance curve, identifying and managing opposition effectively. Consultants are not always greeted warmly by the companies that hire them, and for a couple of compelling reasons. Consultants often advocate substantial changes, which could potentially lead to job losses. And then, there's the more basic human instinct. No one appreciates outsiders dictating what should be done. As a consultant, it's crucial to anticipate potential resistance and lack of cooperation, as these are inherent aspects of the job. The challenge lies in managing this resistance. It's not simply about overcoming it, but rather understanding and acknowledging its sources. So when you encounter opposition to your recommendations, it's important to ask yourself the question, why are people resisting? Consider an example involving a London-based company that hired a consultancy firm to improve its existing accounting system. The system had been developed and implemented years ago by the company's in-house IT department. Upon the consultant's arrival, they were immediately met with resistance. The IT department staff were extremely critical of the project, constantly voicing concerns and objections. Addressing these issues was not just time-consuming, but also stalled the progression of the work. The consultants needed to find a way to foster a more productive relationship. They understood that the IT department took immense pride in the system they had designed and were worried about what would replace it, especially as it was being executed by external parties. To address this, the consultants arranged a meeting with the department head. They acknowledged the existing system's merits while clarifying why a new system was necessary. They then assured him that his team would take ownership of the new system and play a pivotal role in the project's success. Their understanding and approach worked. The IT department became supportive, enabling the project to advance. Flexibility is another beneficial trait that can help you avert possible obstacles. It's about meeting your clients halfway, reciprocating their demeanor. If your clients are exceptionally professional, match their level of professionalism. If they have a friendly, laid-back approach, mirror that. Being adaptive can significantly help in overcoming resistance. Final summary. The pivotal takeaways from this analysis are, if you're involved in consultancy work or striving to improve your client advisory skills, there are several fundamental principles you should keep at the forefront of your mind. First and foremost, your objective should always be to act in the best interest of your clients. 
To accomplish this, you must come well prepared, be adaptable, and acutely aware of your client's needs. Combine this with your professional expertise and experience, and you've got a surefire strategy that will not only satisfy your clients, but also keep them eager for future projects with you. Thank you for joining me today on this journey of learning and discovery as we explored the insights of another thought-provoking book in our growing library of knowledge. If you've enjoyed our time together, please take a moment to follow our podcast, give us a five-star rating, and share 20-minute books with other knowledge seekers. Your support truly means a lot. Don't forget to join me again in the next episode, where we will delve into another enriching book. Until then, happy reading and happy listening.